This is Ozarks at Large for Groundhog Day 2023, February 2nd. I'm Kyle Kellams. Early report from Pennsylvania indicates Puxatawney Phil saw his shadow and winter will be extending its run for six weeks. The National Weather Service counters with a forecast that includes highs in the 60s here by Monday. Let the melting begin. Later this hour, we begin a new year of sound perimeter with Dr. Leah Rebe. And the expected thaw will make it easier to see live music this weekend. Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis will offer us some options. First, two winters ago, the Arkansas General Assembly passed a law restricting gender-affirming medical care for transgender people under the age of 18. It was the first such ban in the nation. But before the law could take effect, the American Civil Liberties Union filed an injunction to block the ban, which remains under federal court challenge. Transitioning teens for now can continue to access gender-affirming medical treatment and obtain free gender-confirming outerwear, as well as undergarments, at the transition closet. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Amare, founder and CEO of the Transition Closet, searches through a rack of dresses this afternoon, pulling out several jumpers to show June, a bright 16-year-old trans femme patron. So you said you like reds. I do like reds. What styles do you like? That's a wonderful question. I'll go with whatever. I like soft clothes especially and <laughs> a little larger clothes. Okay. And um, do you prefer dresses? Do you prefer to stay with pants? Um, um, I have a lot of pants and not a ton of dresses, so dresses for this. This is June's first time to browse the Transition Closet, the free LGBTQ plus apparel store sponsored and supported by Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Fayetteville, which also hosts a popular summer queer camp. I learned about the closet through queer camp. I came here the first year and it was it's a wonderful community. And I actually only used it for the first time recently, but I know a lot of people who have used it in the past and how how impactful it is to be able to even get that small thing, like the clothes that make you feel more, more correct in your body. June says she was assigned male at birth, but 14 years later began to realize she was a girl. So I began to transition fully in the, at the very beginning of 2021. I came out to my parents and started going through the process in school of getting teachers to refer to me by my chosen name. I had a really wonderful teacher who helped me out, uh, helped me test out that process. And by the next school year, I had moved schools and I was going fully by my chosen name and using my chosen pronouns. She's also with parental permission receiving gender affirming medical care. I am. I am currently on hormone blockers. I'm hopefully going to start estrogen within the next six months. The estrogen therapy will counter the effects of naturally occurring testosterone that regulates growth of masculine facial and body hair, bone, and muscle mass. Even now, waiting on estrogen, I think about that sometimes, and it can get upsetting or stressful just knowing that I don't have that correct uh, chemical makeup in my body because I can feel and see the physical effects it has on me. But June worries her treatment could suddenly end if Arkansas's legislative ban on transgender health care for minors is enacted. She's among an estimated 1,800 trans youth in Arkansas, according to the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law, who've become unwitting political targets. Two years ago, this coming March, a conservative-majority Arkansas legislature approved the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, the SAFE Act, prohibiting medical specialists from delivering gender-affirming health care to patients under the age of 18. The American Civil Liberties Union sued on behalf of four transgender youth and two physicians in U.S. District Court in Little Rock, which issued a preliminary injunction. The state, on behalf of lawmakers, appealed to the Eighth Circuit, which ruled last August that the ban's unconstitutional. A final decision by the U.S. District Court is pending. In the meantime, June is frustrated that her health care is in the hands of politicians. The number of people who think that they should have the right to control my medical choices, then my doctor and my family and myself, it, 
it's hard to see that and know that they think that something with me is wrong and that no one other than them can fix it. Now, Arkansas lawmakers, this session aimed to restrict trans youth from using school restrooms that correspond with their gender identity and to criminalize trans men and cross-dressers who perform in public. Amari worries the transition closet could be next. Um, it's pretty simple. We just provide them with the clothing and the safe undergarments that they need to do it. Um, we also provide them with makeup, accessories, um, just whatever they need to transition safely so they're not doing stuff like, you know, stealing or buying dangerous stuff off the Internet or, you know, or, or worse, not being able to be themselves and choosing to hurt themselves, you know, instead of, you know, being who they really are. The transition closet used to be open for walk-ins, but due to harassment and threats, patrons are screened for appointments. I can't say the right words on radio, um, <laughs> but it made me very mad. Um, we even have to have the suicide hotline on our sites, you know, because we have so many kids who reach out that are in the middle of gender dysphoria that are just so depressed. Gender dysphoria is a clinical term for individuals experiencing discomfort, distress, or depression because of their gender identity, which differs from their sex assigned at birth. The Gender Spectrum Clinic at Arkansas Children's offers treatment. So does Dr. Stephanie Ho, who owns and operates Vector Health and Wellness Primary Care Clinic in Fayetteville. We offer um, gender-affirming hormone therapy for adults and for minors 15 and older um, who have a qualifying diagnosis of gender dysphoria. The clinic is currently treating up to 40 trans patients. Um, you know, Patients don't get hormones on their first visit, and not all patients um, are appropriate for hormone therapy. Um, and so, you know, part of the assessment process involves, um, you know, doing a uh, physical assessment, mental health assessment. Um, we also do a risk assessment um, for our young people. Um, we, you know, talk about um, uh, the risks and benefits of this type of therapy. Of course, they have to have a, you know, parental consent um, to move forward with this, but we also look at things like lab work um, and then there are other medical problems that could um, contribute to uh, their ability to take hormone therapy. So it's never a decision that is taken lightly if somebody is appropriate to take hormone therapy. Um, they're seen on a uh, quarterly basis and sooner if there are, of course, any issues, um, but these patients are followed up um, and kept in close care um, during the process of their um, gender-affirming hormone therapy. The clinic follows best practices from the World Professional Association for Transgender Health and does not perform any surgical procedures. The, you know, claim that we're mutilating children um, is, you know, completely unfounded and, and all reality fear-mongering. No surgeries are performed in Arkansas in patients under the age of 18 um, for gender-affirming care uh, or gender-affirming surgeries that I'm aware. And so um, they wouldn't even be considered for surgery until they were 18 or older and can make that decision for themselves. Ho says trans youth left untreated are especially at risk for suicide. Some of the things that we notice um, after doing assessment and deciding to move forward with hormone therapy, um, more than anything, um, these these young people have great and huge improvements in their mental health scores. Once we start hormones for these young people, um, a lot of times it's it's almost like turning on a light switch. They're almost like different people. Um, they're they're more candid. They talk more. Um, you know and you can just tell that they speak in ways now that they have things to look forward to. Data show violence against transgender people, including mass shootings, continues to escalate across the U.S., in part triggered by a surge in bias legislation. Last year, more than 145 anti-transgender bills were introduced in 34 states, 25 passed into law, ending with 17 specific anti-transgender bans across 13 states, including Arkansas. So, I mean, in our clinic, we're very transparent with, um, you know, 
the care that we provide, how we provide that care. Um, and I talk to every single one of my patients and their parents about the possibility of losing access to this care. And so, you know, parents and, and, and um, young people are very acutely aware of what's going on and the hate um, and, you know, intolerance and discrimination that's coming from, you know, our own lawmakers. For now, skilled, compassionate medical providers and places like the Transition Closet are on call to help. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. A bill that could put new regulations on certain drag shows passed another legislative hurdle yesterday. Josie Lenore with our partner station KUAR has more. Initially, Senate Bill 43 would classify any performance involving cross-dressing as an adult-oriented business if the performance, quote, appealed to prurient interests. Republican Representative Mary Bentley of Perryville amended the bill to add additional language, clarifying that performances must have explicit sexual content, such as prosthetic genitalia, to violate the law. After passing the Senate last week, members of the House committee debated the bill on Wednesday. Bentley said children in modern America are suffering mentally and emotionally, and that this law could be used to protect children's innocence. Democratic Representative Tippi McCullough from Little Rock asked Bentley to name an example of a drag show for minors that became too sexual. So no specific incident in Arkansas? Not that I'm aware of, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I know that other folks have seen things that I don't have on video. Public comment on the bill was limited to 15 minutes. Transgender people, drag queens, and representatives from the ACLU said they were worried it could be used to shut down businesses and discriminate against LGBTQ people. The bill passed the committee and now moves to the full house for a vote. In Little Rock, I'm Josie Lenora. Ahead on the show, a conversation about bail as part of the latest edition of the podcast, Undisciplined. Host Dr. Karee Banton will speak with John Comstock, a member of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. That's in about 10 minutes on Ozarks at Large. Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families' 22nd Annual Soup Sunday is February 5th from 4 to 6.30 p.m. at the Rogers Convention Center. This family-friendly event includes soup samplings, breads, and desserts donated from a variety of local restaurants and vendors, live music, and auction items. 927-9800 or aradvocates.org for tickets. A program about the lasting legacy of Silas Hunt, the first African-American student to attend a major university in the South, was supposed to take place today on the University of Arkansas campus. Today is the 75th anniversary of Hunt's enrollment at the U of A. However, travel conditions remain less than ideal, so the program is now rescheduled for a week from tomorrow, February 10th. Archie Bird, an attorney and alumna of the U of A, will lead the presentation in Giffel's Auditorium in Old Main on the U of A campus one week from tomorrow, beginning at noon. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Flexible work options have influenced multifamily design, and that will likely continue as the work-from-home trend continues. Meanwhile, some area apartment projects that include flexible spaces already accommodate that trend. Jeff Delarosa explores that in our cover story in the latest issue of the Business Journal that's out this week. We've also got details about a new business line from Arkansas engineering firm Garver. Kaysen Capital Partners of Fayetteville is planning a $55 million multifamily development in Lowell. And California packaging business Berkeley is broadening its regional investment. All of those stories and more are in the latest issue, and you can read the digital version online for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. After the break, we'll visit with Fayetteville attorney Meredith Lowry for an update on the Woman Run Initiative. You are listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. 
First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Wright Lindsay Jennings attorney Meredith Lowry of Fayetteville spends her days helping clients protect their intellectual property. She's also active in advancing the state's technology sector and promoting more female entrepreneurs. And Lowry is raising three children and contributing to the community through a variety of nonprofit efforts. If you combine all of those things, you'll see how Lowry helped launch a program called Woman Run. The statewide initiative supports women and minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs through networking, mentorship, education, and additional resources. On its four-year anniversary, I spoke with Lowry recently for a woman-run update. I judge success by watching the women that we're connecting with, connecting with other women. So I've seen some of them get job opportunities for their businesses, and they've blossomed. A lot of those businesses that we've had speak have grown. Uh, They've had what I consider a lot of success, and that makes me happy. I I like seeing it. And then another measure, too, I mean, we like being able to be in the community and connect with more people. So... One measure of success is our connection with other groups that are doing similar work for groups that we may not have as great of connection with, and we want to collaborate, and we're looking forward to some of those collaborations in the coming year. Yeah, give me some examples of those connections, and just in terms of the growth that you see in Woman Run, you know, what, what are, what's been the response just in, in terms of the number of events that you have and the attendees and just the interest that you're, that you're seeing? This is a statewide uh, initiative, I think maybe started with uh, maybe a little focus on Northwest Arkansas just because that's where you are. But you guys have uh, outreach all over the state. What's that, uh, what's those, what do those connections look like? We started in 2022 with Theater Square doing Barrier Breakers. And that was a program that they've got programming, improv programming. And we had the problem set of looking at how women are approached when they seek venture capital. And so we, we collaborated there and that program's continuing. We've had two last year. We'll continue to do that. Uh, we're also collaborating with Natalie Bartholomew and the Girl Banker in the coming year. There's some banking fun things happening, regulation that we think that our attendees will like to know the knowledge of, and then her members would like to learn some about how to collaborate with women entrepreneurs. But then, yeah, across the state, we have the Venture Center down in Little Rock, and we've been working with them over the last year for Women Achieve, which is a mentoring program. It's in northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and also in central Arkansas and down kind of pushing into the Delta a little bit. And we help facilitate the meetings in both places with some speaker support, and also trying to bring in mentors, mentees for the program. How much fun are you having doing this? I know this was an idea that you were passionate about uh, when we talked about it even before you uh, had the first event and really kind of rolled this program out a few years ago. Is it, has it achieved uh, uh, the impact that you had hoped? Uh, is, it, is there still a runway out ahead of you that uh, – you think there's there's room for even more networking and like-minded work for Woman Run to to be impactful? I mean, I'm having a blast. I love doing this. I'm grateful that the firm supports me doing this. 
and also helps. I mean, there's others in the firm that work on it as well. But also, I do think that there's a lot of potential, you know, especially like this session, we're watching the legislative session to see what other impacts legislatively can come out to help women-owned businesses. We saw some the last general session that came out that were great potential impacts. And then there's still change. I mean, until we see more women thinking, okay, I'm going to start a business. That's what I'm going to do once I get out of school. That I think we have a, a pretty good runway to keep talking and supporting women as they move forward. And that is Fayetteville attorney Meredith Lowry, who is a partner at Wright Lindsay Jennings, discussing the firm's woman-run initiative that supports woman and minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs. Now, Woman Run hosts events across the state, and you can find out more details at the law firm's website, wlj.com. In other news this week, Walmart is in search of a new general counsel. Karen Roberts announced her departure in a lengthy post Tuesday on LinkedIn. Roberts has been with the retailer since 1995 and has been general counsel for the past decade. She did not say when her departure becomes effective or who will be replacing her. A trucking industry economist provided a glass half full view in his overview of the U.S. economy. Bob Costello, who is the chief economist for the trade group American Trucking Associations, said he expects the economy to go into a mild recession in the first half of the year, but he expects GDP growth of 0.5% for 2023. And the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal is seeking nominations from readers and listeners for our annual recognition programs. Those include the Fast 15, 40 Under 40, the C-Suite, and Women in Business. You can find more details and submit nominations for all of those programs at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. On the most recent edition of Undisciplined, host Dr. Karee Banton and Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore talked with John Comstock, attorney, former judge, and member of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. A priority of the coalition centers around bail reform. The conversation started about why bail exists in the first place. The rationale behind bail is we want people, we want to achieve two things. When somebody is charged with a crime, they get booked into the county jail, fingerprinted, photographed, and then one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to post their bail and get released, mm -hmm. and then they'll finally come back to court when their case is going to be disposed of, or they stay in jail until their case is disposed of, which could be days, weeks, or months. Well, the ones that get out, we ask them to post a cash bail. The theory is that will induce them incentivize them to come back to court. Because you get back some of that money, right? You don't get back a dime of it. See, that's the, that, that's the odd thing. Studies have actually shown that the dollar amount of your bail has nothing to do with whether you and I will come back to court. You know what controls whether you and I will come back to court? It's who we are. If we're charged with a crime and we've been arrested, we've been charged, and the court system is telling us you've got to be back on this date and time, well, who are you as a person and an individual in the state that you live in, most people come back to court when they're charged with a felony. Sure. You know, the truth of it is very few people abscond, and by absconding I mean run away and, 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 and leave the state or even the country. That's, that's, that's like movie script uh, happenings, okay? These people are too poor to even leave the house that they live in. They're still at that same house where they got arrested originally. They're still going to the same job they had if they don't show up in court. It's not that they've absconded, but the theory is, is they will be incentivized to come back to court. Studies, national studies have shown there is no correlation. You and I pay $300 or $500 to get out on bail, on jail, because that's what the system requires us to do to get our freedom. So you and I are going to come up with whatever money we can. And it has nothing to do with whether we're going to come to court. 
that that because like I say, you don't get the money back. Let's say your bond is uh, is a thousand dollars, which is almost unheard of for a felony. Okay, it's usually a lot more, but if it's a thousand dollars, normally what happens is you go to a bail bonding company. It's like an insurance company, but you buy like an insurance policy from them, and you give them ten percent of the bond, so you give them a hundred dollars. Right. And then you have to sign a contract and you have to, a lot of times, pledge property like your house, your car, whatever, your first child, you know, whatever it is they want. <laughs> collateral. Some collateral, <laughs> exactly. And you, you, you pledge all of that. But let's say the case finally gets disposed of and gets dismissed. You do not get that 10% back. That, I thought that, if you did not show up to court, then you, well, you, well, if you, don't you forfeit get, that 10%. Yes, if you don't show up to court. Um, uh, well, actually, if you don't show up to court, Potentially, the bail bonding company is on the hook to the court for the thousand dollars, and then they will recoup it from you for the full thousand because they've been out of pocket at that point. But let me tell you both that almost never ever happens. Uh, bail bonding companies are almost never held accountable for whether somebody does or does not show up. But let's say the best case scenario for you is your case gets dismissed. After you've, after you've been out on bond for six months, the prosecutor announces to the judge, Your Honor, we've concluded that there's not enough evidence to prosecute. We're dismissing the case. And the judge will say, Ma'am or sir, you're, you're free to go. And you might say, Well, hey, what about that 10% I paid on my bond? Do I get that back? No, you don't. What about the fact that I've lost my job because I was held in jail for 10 days before I finally bonded out? Sorry about that. What about the fact that I fell behind on my child support? Now I'm in court being sued for contempt. What about the fact that, you know, my, my, my wife and I were, were already a month behind on our rent. Now we've been evicted. Can the court help me get my status back with my landlord? Sorry about that. I mean, everything falls on the shoulders of people who were already marginalized uh, and uh, victimized. And, and our system does nothing to right the wrong for those folks when a case is dismissed. So the ability to pay then rewards people of a higher social status. Who Absolutely. has that kind of money, whereas those of a lower social status who cannot afford to pay, then the criminal justice system or the prison system kind of takes their body. Absolutely. And, and, and the reason, and can I refer to these two sales tax issues that we just had? Sure, of course. Well, the, in, in Benton and Washington County, where you and I live, both of these counties were trying to pass sales taxes to expand, greatly expand their jails, and the citizens yesterday turned them both down. But but when you think about it, what they wanted to do was, they want in Benton County they wanted to add like 1,200 beds to the to the jail, and they in, wanted to expand the jail, expand the jail, and and, and build 1,200 new jail beds. And in Washington County they wanted maybe anywhere from eight to 1,500. They were never totally clear on how many beds they wanted, 800 to 1,500. But here's the thing. The Constitution says it's, it's not right to hold you in custody just because of your poverty. So judges should consider the ability to pay. But what I'm telling you is they don't. Nobody looks at that question. Almost nobody does. If you can believe it, and you may know this, but across the nation, bail reform is a big issue. And guess what? They've shown that, yes, do some people not show up for court? That's correct. Some people don't. But it's not correlated to whether you have bail or not. Everybody thought it was for a long time, and that's why people got into this habit. But listen to this rule. Well, first I will say, in all this criminal justice bail reform going on in the nation, the people that are wanting to reform their court rules or their laws or their statutes, they're actually trying to get language like we have already existing in Arkansas. This is the freaky thing about this. Listen to what I'm going to read to you. This is the stellar language that people want in their reform efforts. We have it. Listen, Rule 9.2 of the Arkansas Rules of Criminal Procedure. The judicial officer shall set, shall set money bail only after he determines that no other conditions will reasonably ensure the appearance of the defendant in court. This rule is saying you can't just set a money bond just because somebody shows up in front of you charged with burglary in the second degree. Okay, your bond's $10,000, your court date exists, see you later. No, you have to talk to that individual, get to know that individual, learn about that individual, ask enough questions where you could say, well, what are some conditions that I could impose that might assure this person would show up in court? For instance, is there a family member in the court that's, that's here uh, 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 that would stand up for you? Well, yes, Your Honor, my mother's in the back of the courtroom. Ma'am, would you stand up? 
and, and I live with my mom. Ma'am, would you stand up? The judge could say. Now, will you, are you willing to have your son still live with you while this matter is proceeding? Yes, I am, Your Honor. And, and if your son, if I order your son to spend every night at your home rather than someplace else, are you acceptable to that? Yes. And, 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 and will you accept the responsibility of reporting to the court if he does not spend the night at your home? Yes, Your Honor, I will. Well, I'll tell you what, ma'am, and, and, and let's say I've also asked some questions the judge did to learn that she's lived in this town for, you know, 20 years or whatever. He went to school here. He's graduated from the local schools. I'm not going to reduce your bond. I'm going to eliminate your bond, and I'm just going to release you on what's called own recognizance. You just sign a document that you promise to appear, just like you do when you get a traffic citation, uh, and the officer asks you to sign something. They always tell you, you're not signing that you're guilty. You're just signing you promise to go to court. We can do that on felonies. We can do that on any charge, uh, what they call own recognizance. And the judge has set some conditions. But what happens now is we just, as a matter of fact and habit, we set that bond right out of the gate, and they don't take the time. And I confronted one of our judges, one of our circuit judges, about this, and she said to me, well, John, what you're asking for is an individual, individualized case consideration. And I said, yeah, that's what the Constitution requires. And she said, well, that would take too much time. And, and, and that's why they resist it. They don't want, because as you can see, by interviewing the defendant and learning about the defendant's contacts with the community and things like that, it takes a little bit of time. And this cattle call doesn't have time because everybody's ordered to show up at 8 a.m. And so they run them through one after another after another. And I'm, I, I still feel shameful about it because when I was a circuit judge, I conducted those same cattle calls. But the only thing I will say in my defense is, I called the prosecutor in and the public defender and chief public defender and said, this seems crazy to me. Can we not come up with a better system of having these people come to court? Because I'm willing to do, make some changes. And they both told me, John, you're a temporary judge. You're, you're, you're only here filling rock a spot. So please don't rock the boat. We're comfortable with it the way it works. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. What I learned after the fact was, as judge, I really could have done a lot more in that even in those few months, I just, I didn't, um, I didn't have the experience that I have today knowing yeah. just, just what I could have done. John Comstock is a member of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition. You can hear that full conversation on Undisciplined, a podcast collaboration between KUAF Public Radio, Ozarks at Large, and the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas. Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families' 22nd Annual Soup Sunday is February 5th from 4 to 6.30 p.m. at the Rogers Convention Center. This family-friendly event includes soup samplings, breads, and desserts donated from a variety of local restaurants and vendors, live music, and auction items. 927-9800 or aradvocates.org for tickets. Washington Regional's Her Health Clinic is committed to empowering all women by giving them the care and resources they need to take control of their own health. Gynecology services, prenatal care, childbirth, infertility treatments, and more available at Her Health Clinic, located in Washington Regional's Women and Infant Center in Fayetteville. WRegional.com slash HerHealth to learn more. This is Ozarks at Large. Timothy Dennis is going to give us a rundown of music that we think is going to take place. Right, Timothy? You know, as long as the warmer weather prevails and there are many cancellations. But, of course, it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Double check that these shows are still happening. I know the weather is supposed to warm up today and tomorrow, but there may still be some cancellations throughout the weekend. Especially if it's a band that's trying to get from somewhere else where maybe the storm hit later than it hit here. Exactly, exactly. So let's just jump in, starting with tomorrow night. Georgia's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville for their Happy Hour concert is going to feature Oreo Blue and Friends. Seem like you got it. Starts to fade away. I hate the hypocritical way. Do what you're gonna do. Say what you're gonna say. You got to love like the Oh, and friend. Yeah, it serves as the 70th birthday happy hour jam for Gary Hutchison's birthday. They're going to feature members of the Nace Brothers, also Earl Kate, John Seberg, and many other special guests. Cover is $8. That gets underway at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. 
Also happening in Fayetteville tomorrow night, Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have the Oklahoma City-based indie dream pop band Brother Boy on stage. For that is $5. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Happening over in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to welcome back the regional band Vintage Pistol. Great rock and roll outfit. You bet. My wind is in a world. My world's in a wind. Find shelter from deep within. My tailed up and my thoughts corrupt. That gets underway tomorrow night at 8 o'clock again. That's at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Also happening in Eureka Springs, the Gravel Bar is going to have folk singer-songwriter Dominic Brian Roy in the house. And I forgot the taste of bread. And I forgot the sound of the trees. As the wind blows that gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. And then down to the south, Temple Live in Fort Smith is going to have Jason Boland and the Stragglers on stage. Do what I need That's to find me a place where I can think Talk about love and laugh and drink there's someone there who cares. Oh, they're fun. Tickets are $25. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday, George's Majestic Lounge is going to have the official after party for Frostfest. So if you weren't lucky enough to get tickets to the actual festival, you can still enjoy just a little bit of that feel. They are going to feature performances from Cadillac Jackson and Monk is King. Cover for that is $10. That gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday evening again at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Frostfest is this Saturday, and that's taking place at the Washington County Fairgrounds, right? Correct, correct. And last I checked, tickets are sold out. So hopefully if you're wanting to go and you don't have tickets, you know someone who is willing to take you under their arm. <laughs> okay. Also happening Saturday night over in Eureka Springs, Chelsea's is going to have the duo MK Ultra on stage. That is a duo comprised of Ben Miller and Pat Kay. Mm-hmm. If you can't make that show, they're also on stage at George's in Fayetteville Sunday evening at 7. The show at Chelsea's has a $5 cover, gets underway at 9.30. The Sunday evening show at George's has a $12 cover, gets underway at 7 p.m. One more show to talk about Saturday night. Uh, Majestic in Fort Smith is going to have Paul Coffin in the house. Great contemporary kind of outlaw country singer. Come on, let's get it going. Only you can keep me rolling. At a quarter to three, you know what I need. Well, I'll twist for you, baby. Hit a rip for you, baby. Take another shot, get lit for you, baby. Oh, yeah. He's joined on that bill by Myron Elkins. Tickets are $35. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening, again at the Majestic in Fort Smith. And last I checked, those tickets were almost gone. So if you want to see Paul Cawthon, you should probably act fast. If you swung and missed at Frostfest, maybe you can still get Paul Cawthon. Exactly, exactly. Moving on to Sunday, of course, we mentioned the show at George's with MK Ultra, but also Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have a show Sunday evening featuring the psychedelic honky-tonk sounds of the band Natural Light. They're in town from New Mexico. Why not? Why not me on rainy day? Why 
Sunday night? That's Sunday night. They're joined on that bill by local Sad Palomino. Cover is $10. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Sunday night, again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Moving ahead to Monday, George's in Fayetteville is going to have a show featuring the Fayetteville Jazz Collective. Cover for that is $5. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Monday night at George's in Fayetteville. Cool. And then jumping ahead all the way to Thursday... Nomads Trailside and Fable is kind of going to have a bluegrass folk show featuring the band's Pretend Friend, which is a Wichita-based progressive bluegrass and folk band. Oh, well, I've adored girls who want nothing of me. And Lord, I try to tell them, but they don't see. I've got nothing to give except the love in my heart and a poor boy's love. joined on that bill by locals Charlie Mellinger and Chris Spurgeon. That show has a $10 cover. That gets underway at 8 o'clock next Thursday again at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville. That's a week from tonight. That's a week from tonight. All right. Timothy Dennis keeping us up to date. Be careful out there, Timothy. See you soon. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. I want to start Sound Perimeter today with a content warning, as I mentioned, death and suicide today, which I know can be distressing. If you're having suicidal thoughts, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 for support and assistance from a trained counselor and see other resources in our show notes. We open some perimeter today with Alfonsina, one of the movements of Argentinian composer Carolina Heredia's piece Ausencias, Absences, for a string quartet, fixed media, dance, and interactive video. Each of the movements of the piece is inspired by the writings of three South American poets who took their own lives. One of them, Alfonsina Storni, and her poem Voy a Dormir, I Am Going to Sleep, from 1938. I Am Going to Sleep was the poet's farewell letter from the world. After mailing it to La Nación newspaper, she left her writing desk and walked towards the sea at La Perla in Mar del Plata, Argentina. Her death inspired Ariel Ramirez and Felix Luna to compose one of the most beautiful songs in the South American repertoire, Alfonsina y el Mar, Alfonsina and the Sea. Carolina Heredia's piece takes us into the poet's internal world with empathy and compassion, while superimposing the string instruments to a pre-recorded track of the poignant Argentinian bandone.
That was Carolina Heredia's Alfonsina from her 2017 piece Ausencias for a string quartet, fixed media, dance, and interactive video performed by Lauren Pulsifer and Christine Harada Lee violins, Swan Lee viola, and Nathaniel Pierce cello. Since 1976, when United States President Gerald Ford extended the recognition to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Every February, we celebrate Black History Month. We join the celebration today with the hip-hop duo from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Black Violin, Kevin Sylvester and Wilner Baptiste, and their work Stereotypes from their 2015 album under the same name. This album was inspired by Sylvester's exchange with a woman in an elevator who saw him a six foot two inch, 260 pound black man carrying a violin and assumed that he wasn't a classically trained violinist because of his looks. In an NPR interview, Sylvester says, quote, she didn't mean it maliciously, but I hope she gets to see us in concert and we can change her perception, end quote. stereotypes from their 2015 album under the same name. Our mantra has always been to engage the audience to look at things from a different perspective. At first, we leaned on the fact that we were different more than on our technique. We wanted you to be confused. This time, we tried to keep our core message, but with more gravitas, more seriousness. That was a quote from Black Violin. I know you can tell the disruptive excellence in your playing. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Pinimeter, a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis from KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sound Pinimeter is a segment dedicated to the diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. I mean, mine is clear. Mine is really easy. My number one stereotype, just because I'm six foot two, 260 pounds, doesn't mean you're supposed to be afraid of me. 
I feel like when I walk into an elevator and there's like four or five, you know, different other people in there, they're thinking, hmm, let's see what this guy's gonna do. Let me like double check. Maybe they're not afraid, but they're on notice. In a way, it's like, you know, where in one sense, I wish that it didn't exist and I wish that I didn't sense, you know, that they were threatened just by my presence without even knowing who I am. Um, although I wish that it didn't exist, I'm, I'm kind of glad for it because now it, it gives me like a goal or gives me something to like try to debunk. And like the reason I smile on stage is because I know I'm completely crushing people's perceptions of not only what, um, what a violin can do or what music could possibly sound like, but also of what a black man is capable of, is capable of, is capable of. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and LaRue. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF, and KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors today included Timothy Dennis, Jacqueline Froelich, Josie Lenora, Matthew Moore, Leah Uribe, Karee Banton, and Paul Gatling. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. His most recent CD is called Still Here. Anna Pope gets our show on the web at ozarksatlarge.com. Rachel Sanchez-Smith handles our show's social media. We have another show, brand new, for you tomorrow at noon and 7. And you can always listen to us when you'd like by subscribing to the absolutely free Ozarks at Large podcast available wherever you already get podcasts. You can find past shows at ozarksatlarge.com. You can hear the most recent edition of Ozarks at Large by just turning to your smart speaker and politely asking to please play Ozarks at Large. Finally, you can take us with you with the free KUAF app for iPhone and iPad. Thanks so much for being with us. Please stay safe. Please stay warm. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Callums.